On this episode of the podcast, I have with me Brent Goldman. He is the VP of Engineering at CSU Data. We're going to be talking about an interesting topic here. We're going to be talking about treating engineering management as a type of engineering. And I'm going to have Brent kind of go through and tell us what that exactly means. But the premise of this episode is going to be about all your different activities within engineering management are complex processes, complex systems, and you actually need to be at the forefront creating that playbook and making sure people can execute that playbook. Brent, thanks for being on the episode. Hey, Amir. How's it going? Happy to be here. Absolutely. I always like to start off with two things. One is to understand what uh, CSU Data does, if you tell everyone what the company is about, and then also what are your responsibilities as VP of Engineering? Yeah, absolutely. So CSU is a decision intelligence engine that enables businesses to make more informed decisions from data and help every business become a data-driven business. And a lot of companies say that they help businesses do this by enabling you to visualize your data or alert on your data. We don't just do that. We actually produce actual facts. So we will ingest your data from your cloud data warehouse, analyze it with machine learning out of a Stanford lab. Our founder and CEO actually used to be a Stanford professor that quit his job there to go build this company. And then we produce, uh, using that ML, a list of insights sorted by impact and filtered for statsig or statistical significance. So what kind of insights? Well, if a metric moves, you might know that it moves. You might know how much it moved by, but you don't know why it moved. And we can produce facts that help you understand why it moved, sort of which cohorts within your user population helped move the metric. Even if a metric is not moving, but you want it to move, we can also help you do a cohort analysis to help you understand why the metric isn't moving and where you might want to focus your time in order to move the metric. So the summary would be, we ingest all your data, we have a bunch of AI that analyzes it, and then we produce facts that are going to help you run your business. I lead the engineering team here at CSU. Um, this is an engineering company. Um, Eng is the biggest department of the company. So we're about, I don't know, 60, 65 people. Engineering is about 20, 25 people. My job is to get the tech built, which means not just building all the tech myself, but really building the team that builds the tech. And I think about that team the same way that I think about other end systems, which is what we're going to talk about today. And the responsibilities break down into your typical sort of people and org stuff, things like coaching, hiring, org structure, storytelling. There's tech stuff like architecture reviews, release reviews of our deploy process, working on our technical vision, hiring the right people uh, to fill in the gaps for the team to get that tech built, and then culture. Um, I think a happy team and a people-first team ends up building a more uh, productive team. So instead of sort of putting the company before the people, I think if you put the people first, um, you're going to get what you want out of the company. So an example is uh, we actually just took half the end team for an unofficial trip to Hawaii a couple of weeks back. Uh, where we all got to meet each other in person. A lot of us hadn't met each other before or had only met once or twice and uh, really got to bond. And I think the bonds that we built there and the trust that we developed will lead to a happier and more productive team. Brilliant. I love it. Always nice to, you know, 3D face to the name um, all these Zooms were on. So I think that's an awesome thing to do for your team. I guess the in terms of the episode, we're going to be talking about treating engineering management as a type of engineering. And I thought what would be great is if you could maybe just talk at a high level what that means to you, and then we'll kind of dive in from there. Yeah, so at a high level, engineering is about understanding what problem we want to solve and getting alignment on that. You might have you know abstract goals. You might have concrete metrics. Ideally, uh, the more metrics, the better. And then it's about finding solutions to those problems. And it's not just having your quick knee-jerk reaction to solve the thing. But you want to think through different potential solutions. You want to jam with people. You might sketch things on a whiteboard. And then whatever solution you come up with, you don't just go build in a black box. 
you want to write up an architecture doc, and that can be called an ERD, a DDoc, an RFC, sort of every company has a different process for this, where you describe your chosen solution, you go through the different pros and cons of it, you talk about alternative solutions, what are those pros and cons, what are the trade-offs to make clear sort of what the thinking is behind this. And then you don't just necessarily build and launch it, you'll have a migration plan. So maybe you'll sort of unveil it over time. If it's a thing that might end up with five microservices and now you have one, maybe you build one at a time and migrate pieces from your monolith to each one of these microservices over time. Or if you're rewriting from one language to another, you don't rewrite the whole app and then flip over. You sort of rewrite different components sort of one at a time and get to where you want to be. But in the end, you're basically thinking about this problem as a complex system that you solve with code and with process. And I think you can apply that same type of thinking to engineering management as well where a lot of these things you want to solve in engineering management are also complex systems where you want to understand the problem, think through multiple different solutions, you know, really be analytical about it without ignoring the people aspect, document what you want to solve, and coming up with your migration plan. Awesome. And I guess a good question maybe for you is when you're looking at you know, engineering management as a type of engineering, obviously there's a fair bit of art that goes into the science of people management. When you're looking at maybe some of the differences, you know, when you're trying to create that playbook or you're trying to, you know, put together, you know, in documentation form that complex process, how do you deal with, you know, the complexities of people management and just literally the art component of just understanding your team and every team's different? How do you manage that? Yeah. So you touched on two things that I want to touch on. So the first is playbooks. So when you're writing a process, I think it's important not just to talk about sort of philosophy and goals and having them sort of like watch or shadow you and maybe you reverse shadow them to make sure that it's being followed. But um, you actually do want a playbook. A playbook, it's a type of code. It's code that codes up the people in the process and the people are sort of following that playbook. And um, that doesn't mean that the people are going to do exactly what you say. People have the freedom and intelligence to sort of like, you know, wing it as necessary and disagree where it makes sense. And everyone does things differently. And as people do different things, we can change the playbook as we go. And then also people. So um, unlike systems of code where the system does exactly what you expect it to, and if there's a bug, it's because you coded it up, people are a lot more complex. People don't always do what you think. Your understanding of people might not match other people's understanding of people or what's actually going on with the people. People might make decisions motivated by feelings or by lack of context and uh, might disagree on things, or they might just be emotional about how things are going. So when designing these systems of people and process, the process of the playbooks, the people is what makes it fun. You know, a lot of engineers decide to become managers because they decide they really like people and they like understanding people, they like supporting people, they like coaching and helping people, and they like organizing people to build things bigger than what they can do on their own. People are the most complex system, and I think that's what makes it fun. Yeah, that's definitely true. And and I guess when you're kind of looking at you know, creating these playbooks, you obviously are trying to document at a certain depth, you want to be able to give people something executable. You know, you obviously want standardization, but you also know that every team is different. When you're looking at creating your, you know, like, let's say a playbook around, let's say, comp structure or just a hiring process, how much of your mindset when you're going into creating that playbook is this needs to be a certain depth because I need to let managers then take it and make it their own, or I need it to be, you know, pretty formalized and I, or is it maybe, you know, different based on each of these, you know, engineering management systems? Yeah, that's a great question. There's a lot of factors that go into that. So with code, you pretty much have to figure out every detail in advance because the computer is not going to figure out what to do 
and fill in the gaps if there is ambiguity or if your solution isn't you know, totally specified down to the line of code level. The great thing about leadership and working with people is that people are great. People are really smart. People can figure out solutions to problems. People have different levels of experience or comfort with different types of processes. And you can craft how much detail you go into based on the people that are going to be executing your processes or the the programs that you're writing with these playbooks. It's also a function of how important the process is right now, the stage of company, and how much time you have to even define this stuff. So maybe you start off with a pretty underspecified process, kind of pointing people in the right direction. And over time, you can specify it sort of more and more. Or maybe there's a common phrasing like release early and often, where you build an MVP and then you make it better over time. And you can make it better by building new features. You can also make it better in response to bugs. So an example is, you know, say something goes wrong with the app or the service that you built. You don't just go and fix the bug. You kind of want to fix that entire class of bug. And, you know, one common way is um, sort of detection, prevention, mitigation. Um, This is a framework in postmortems where how can we detect this class of bug in the future? When it comes up, how do we mitigate the damage? What can we do to prevent this bug from even coming up at all? And the same can be true with process. So say you're writing a hiring process and say something goes wrong where you notice your closing rate is pretty low, or you're noticing that at a certain stage of the funnel, say after the TPS, but before the onsite, the conversion rate isn't what you expect. And it could be because the interview is too hard. It could be because you're not focused enough on selling and getting the candidates to pass to want to come and do the onsite. When you approach this as sort of like an engineering type system, and you have metrics and you have data, you can look at this stuff, you can understand the system, you can understand where things are going wrong, and then you can specify those things. So uh, you can you know, then add to the playbook and say, hey, we want to make sure at the beginning of every TPS technical phone screen that we really connect with the candidate and don't just jump into the question, but we want to understand who they are, why they're here, what motivates them. You know, At the end of the interview, we can give them time to ask us questions. Maybe we can send them an email after the interview saying what we enjoyed about meeting them and getting them excited for the next stage. Maybe we can introduce them to me as the head of engineering or to Peter, our CEO, to get them excited. Or if they mention some product question, maybe we connect them to a PM to get them to want to do an onsite. And so you know, these are examples of things where you can start with an underspecified process that's really quick to put together. You can start executing on it. And then you can add to that over time to make the system more effective overall. And I guess when you're looking at, you know, and that's a great approach, obviously, you, you don't want to overwhelm with process. And especially at a startup, you don't want to be in a position where process is overarching and, and slowing things down. But how often do you revisit the playbook, right? Like these are you know, complex systems that you're building, lots of people involvement, your company is growing. At some point, you have to go back and take a look at, you know, does it fit? Do we need to alter the playbook to fit the new processes? I mean, how often do you look at those things? Yeah, I don't know if um, for these playbooks, we have kind of like a recurring thing, like every quarter or every year, we have to go look at the playbook. I think it really comes down to the needs of the business, the stage of the business, and which parts of the playbook or which playbooks have issues. So I'll just go through the types of playbooks that we might have, the types of systems that we have to build within the broader system of engine management overall. So there's things like org structure and team structure, there's hiring process, there's quarterly planning, there's sort of sprint biweekly planning, OKRs perf process, comp structure, and each of these things are multi-level. So you know, even within hiring, there's sourcing, there's the interview process, there's the DV process, there's how to close. Even post-closing, once the candidate joins, how do you onboard the candidate? These are all things that we have to work on to build a well-functioning engineering organization and the machine that that is. And you know, it even goes deeper, like within hiring the sourcing, within sourcing, 
There's sort of which candidates do you reach out to? How many candidates do you reach out to? How do you automate that stuff? What's your messaging? Do you A-B test that stuff? And you know, the A-B testing, that's a, something that's used within your product and your engineering is that often applied to hiring? I think so. So we have this list of playbooks. And you know, just like with your code, you don't have a process where, hey, let's look at every line of code every six months and you know, see if it still applies and update it if need be. It's kind of depending on what's on our roadmap. What are the features we want to build? What are the bugs we want to fix? What are the systems that are not performing at the level that we want? Maybe we notice some areas of the system have more bugs or are performing slower or people don't understand it anymore because it was written a long time ago. Or as we build features or as we solve bugs, there's so much tech debt that it takes longer to build the feature than it should. And really the only way out is to rewrite the system. All of that stuff also applies to all these processes I listed out. So say you put together your hiring process, things are going really well. At some point, by growing to a certain size, maybe the old process doesn't scale. Or same thing with an org structure. Whatever org structure you come up with might work for a certain period of time, but there's no perfect org structure. You're solving some problems. You will create new problems. And after having that new problem manifest for a certain period of time, maybe at some point, you just got to switch up the org structure, solve that problem that came up, and then have a different problem. So like a a common example there would be, say, uh, back-end engineers, mobile engineers, front-end engineers, and machine learning engineers. Do you have them report into functional teams where you have a back-end manager, a front-end manager, an ML manager, a mobile manager? And uh, when you have projects, you bring people from different teams together to work on this stuff. Or do you organize teams around features and around the product where you have different types of engineers reporting into a common manager? And there are pros and cons of each. And what I've seen throughout my career and in talking to other end leaders at the places they work at, you know, there's no right answer. When you have engineers report into their functional lead, they might not be as in touch with the product and the problem that they're solving and might kind of build their piece of the feature and then move on to the next thing versus help out on something else. Whereas if you organize around the product, you might see an ML engineer write some front-end code to get something done. But if their manager is not a has a background in machine learning, what's their career growth like? Or if a front-end engineer is reporting to a back-end engineer, what's their career growth like? So there's pros and cons to each of this stuff. And as you start to see different cons manifest in bigger ways, that's really the trigger for when you want to revisit some of these playbooks and processes. Awesome, man. I think it's really a, an interesting view on Obviously, all these are very complex systems. Every org has to set up. And I think it's really uh, insightful kind of thought that needs to go into these and, and kind of dealing with, I guess, the people side of it's always uh, really a big component in, in looking at your individual teams. If someone wants to reach out to you and maybe you know, ping you on a topic or you know, that you mentioned or you want to kind of talk a little bit deeper about it with you, is LinkedIn a good place to do that? Or do you have a preferred means of getting, uh, you know, having that communication happen? Yeah, LinkedIn is a great place to find me. Uh, just search for Brent Goldman on LinkedIn. Shoot me a note. You can also shoot me an email, uh, brent at csudata.com. Awesome. We'll include those in the show notes. And again, thanks for being on. And that's it for this episode. We'll be back again next time. Different guests, different topics. Until then, I always ask for two things. One is the podcast has been growing organically. And thank you for always sharing it. And if you found this episode interesting, please share it again. And also, if there's a topic you want me to talk about, Hit me up on LinkedIn, let me know, and I'll do my best to find a guest. Otherwise, until next time, thanks. 